Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. Now, today I'm thrilled to have a woman of international mystery. <laughs> she has done many things for many people in many locations and has a real focus on helping people get the right job for them and have them uh, positioned very well. She's been on media, she's lived all over the world, and she's here with us today. Please welcome Jane Jackson. Great to have you here. Why, thank you so much, Warwick Mary. I just love saying your name because it makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, you're, you're a career coach now, how did you get to this career coach? Like what, what has been your journey to come up to? I'm just really interested in how you became a career coach. I know. I'm, it's really interesting because I'm actually quite surprised that I became a career coach because I, in my early days during teens and in school, I didn't even know a career coach existed. We had career counsellors at school who kind of took you off to have interviews at banks and, and meet people in hotels to see what sort of career you wanted. So I, I, didn't even think about career coaching, but I started my career in public relations after I graduated. I went to university in America and grew up in Hong Kong and I'm half Chinese, half English. So I've got a kind of international outlook anyway, because of my parents. Um, but then after graduating, went back to Hong Kong and started working in public relations. And that was really good training for me to speak because I just speak for a living these days. Um, and But after a while in public relations, what I did was I I started to feel a little bit unfulfilled because some of the clients that we were working with, the values didn't quite match with mine. And without even realizing it at the time, because of that values mismatch, I got on my high horse and resigned and decided to change. Um, And it it actually was a common theme throughout my career. I get on my high horse a lot and then realize this is really not for me. I have to follow what I believe is right. Um, But then I transitioned into health and fitness uh, a little bit later on. And I set up my own training business as a personal trainer, fitness instructor. Um, I moved from Hong Kong to San Francisco for a year, during which time I didn't work. I was just busy enjoying being in San Francisco because it's fantastic. Then moved to London, worked there for four years, and then 18 years in Singapore. Now in London and in Singapore, that's when I got into my fitness business. And I really enjoyed it a lot. And I found that I really enjoyed helping people and training them. So as a personal trainer, anyone who's been a personal trainer, you realize it's not just the fitness aspect. It's a lot of mindset as well. And I found that people just kept telling me their problems. People have so many problems all the time. And I seem to have this natural ability to make people feel better. And I enjoyed that a lot. Um, And then went to Hong Kong and continued training. And I set up active training, I called it, and then I changed it to body mechanic because I thought that was a little cleverer (laughs) as a name. Is this too long a story? Honestly, no, no, keep going. It's good. It's not going to go on for too long. I'm nearly towards the end of when I became a career coach. But but then I found that because I was uh, helping people with their problems, I realized, you know, I seem to have something 
that works with people as well. Now, concurrent with that, I was given an opportunity to get back into corporate and as a corporate trainer, because Credit Suisse First Boston asked me if I, at the time it was CSFB, they asked if I could create a confidence building workshop for their middle managers who were targeted for promotion. And I thought, oh, I've never done that before, but yes, I will do it and I will create the best program ever because I really like a, a good challenge. And I found that I, I took to corporate training very easily. And again, it was all to do with confidence building and helping people. And I really enjoyed that a lot. And then a couple of years later, someone said, you know, you'd make a really good coach. Why don't you come? There's an opening at this global outplacement company in Singapore. Go and interview and see, see what you think. And during the interview, I really didn't know what I was in for. But during the interview, the more I spoke about, you know, what the role entailed, the more I thought, oh, I like this. I like this very much. And I was offered the role, negotiated and um, found that as soon as I started and I trained in their methodology initially, it was like a duck to water. It was, I was home. It really felt good. And over the years, I, I gained more certifications and qualifications in that area. It's been 19 years now since I've been career coaching. And it's, I'm following my passion. I just love it. Every day I wake up and I think, I can't wait to do this. And I set up <laughs> my own coaching practice now. And so I coach via you know, Zoom video conferencing, I coach face-to-face -face and do corporate workshops, still in the corporate training arena, because I love that as well. So that's, that's how it happened, Warwick. Fantastic. So having heard this journey that you've been through, living in different countries, spending a year just swanning around San Francisco, um, how <laughs> do you define success? Because there's been so many changes and shifts in things that you've done. How, how do you define success? Ah, oh, success to me, well, it's, it's really very simple, is, is to wake up every morning and look forward to what I'm about to do or who I'm about to do it with as well, because it's, it's really looking forward to the day. It's a journey. Life's a journey. And you're successful if you're happy. And when I say looking forward to what you're going to do, it's looking forward to the people I'm going to be spending my time with, whether it's fan, friends or family or colleagues, looking forward to the work or the sport or the relaxation that I'm going to do moving forward, because it means that I'm enjoying it. And also looking forward to it because I don't have a financial burden over my head, having that financial freedom to be able to do what I would like to do and to be able to help the people that I'd like to help. So really it's waking up in the morning and looking forward to something. Fantastic. So um, I'm interested in career coaching because we now have, there's a lot of talk about the gig economy and it used to be you got a job and you worked there for 40 years and you got your gold watch and then you left. And now it feels like if you've been in some in a job for more than, let's say, three years, people are starting to go, ooh, been there a bit long, must be time for a change for you. So what are some of the big changes you've seen in the career field in how people are uh, reacting to our ever-changing workforce? Mm. Biggest change I've noticed over the years are more and more corporate restructures, which affect the way that people work and also their their feeling of security within their environment. And also more recently because of AI, artificial intelligence and automation, offshoring, outsourcing, that has affected so many 
careers because you know if your business if, if your job function can be outsourced then a redundancy may be looming and you'll have to reinvent yourself for example if you're a customer service manager and you're leading a team of people who are say telesales it doesn't have to be in sydney it doesn't have to be anywhere in particular it can be offshored very easily and so i work with a lot of people who've gone through redundancies because of a change of direction or a downsizing restructure for whatever reason and because there are just so many redundancies happening all the time and companies are changing, um, automation is affecting businesses. This is, this is I think, the, the time when more and more people are starting to look at, as you say, the gig economy or maybe starting their own businesses too mm-hmm. so that they have a little bit more control over what happens to them. How do, you th- how do people who come to you who sort of work through, okay, I'm going to be restructured and I want to start up my own business. Is there a different mindset from some of these people who might be quite successful managers, but when they try and try on the business owner headset, it just doesn't quite fit? Oh yeah. Happens a lot because if you have more of a, you you want to be an employee and there are lots of benefits to being an employee because you get a regular salary, you get your superannuation paid, you get paid leave, you get sick leave. I mean, there are a lot of stationary cabinet. You can just go and get stuff from, you don't have to go down the street for it. Like how good is that? Yeah, exactly. And you have a team around you. It's like you can, if, if, if you need to get something done, oh, say a marketing initiative, you can go, oh, I'll go to marketing. Or if you've got a people issue, you go, oh, I'll go to human resources. But when it's your own business, really most people start out and do it all themselves. And we might not have all of those skills. I mean, certainly I don't. I mean, I'm pretty good with marketing and I'm very good at delivery. But when it comes to the finances, I'm it's just not something that I'm that interested in, even though obviously I have to be. And so what I do is I outsource that. I've got a very good bookkeeper and I have a wonderful tax accountant who keeps me on track. And it's because it's something that I don't enjoy doing. I stress about it. Tax time used to just take me weeks. I'd be lying on the floor, legs in the air, crying, thinking, oh, I've got paper everywhere. My husband had to you know, give me a wide berth. I'm staying away from Jane during those, those one or two weeks every year. And then as soon as I outsourced it, suddenly it's all okay. It's so much easier. And I could be doing better things with my time than fretting about financial paperwork. And so now I just have a look at the spreadsheets I'm given. I go, yes, yes, yes. Double check that all done. And life is good. (laughs) Hey, um, I'm interested in your perspective on some of the reorganizations that you see corporations do. And the one that I hear a lot and plenty of your clients must have it is, these they've thrown all the jobs in the air and I have to reapply for my own job. Do those kind of real, do they work or is it just like we're doing busy stuff to make it look like we're saving money and all we're doing is just annoying everybody. Yeah. Having to reapply for your own job can be really stressful because there's, in fact, I, I did a workshop recently. It was about, oh, about six weeks ago um, up in Tweed Heads. And this was the exact scenario because they were redefining everybody's roles. And what had happened was, was that some people had been put into those roles a little bit higher level temporarily. So they were acting 
in those roles, but they'd been acting in the roles for so long that they, it felt like it was their role. But then they had to reapply for it. And they realized that actually they didn't have the paper qualifications to, to say that, yes, they're qualified to do the role, even though they had the experience. And it caused a lot of anxiety. And so I was up there helping them with their resumes and their accomplishment statements to be able to prove that, yes, they are perfectly qualified to do the role that they've been doing for the past few years. Mm. And um, initially they had applied, but none of them had been successful because they weren't able to verbalize exactly what they'd been doing. And the anxiety was just so much. But once they realized what how they could actually talk about their achievements, then they realized, ah, now I can sell myself. And that makes it so much better. But yeah, this happens a lot. Reapplying for your own job causes so much stress. I wish, I wish it didn't have to happen um, <laughs> because you're already performing in the role. If you're doing it just, well. It must kill productivity. <laughs> like if you've got a workforce where it's like, right, everybody, you've got to apply for your own job. The amount of time spent talking around water coolers and coffee cups and and not actually doing any work must be enormous. So the cost must be significant. Yeah, tell me about it. And the thing is, is that when productivity suffers, it's because there's a lack of motivation and people start to feel they don't really care about me. Yeah. And what about my feelings? There's nobody to talk to. I just have to fill out this form. It's so complicated. And and now I have to justify my being. That makes it really hard because we all want to feel that, you know, we're worth it and that we're enough and we're validated. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly being questioned as to whether we're good enough, mm, that really affects people's self-confidence. And when your confidence drops, you cannot perform to the best of your ability. Yeah. And, and as you were saying before, people stereotypically are rubbish at selling themselves. They, could, they can do the job and they can run rings around everybody else. But to actually communicate, a good friend of mine recently went for an interview and they're more than qualified for the job. They've been doing it for a while. And the feedback they got afterwards was, oh, you weren't very good at selling yourself and, and saying how much you really wanted the job. So what are some of the ways that people, or what are some of the, the, the shortcuts that people can take to really be able to sell themselves or really be able to position themselves well and get over their internal, oh, am I good enough? <laughs> all that self-limiting belief that sits on all of our shoulders every yeah. once in a while. You know, it, actually, the, with this point, the positioning statement, should we call it, um, when someone says, so why should we hire you or why should we keep you or tell us about yourself? What is it that you can really do? That's what most of my clients find the hardest because they can talk about their job function and they can talk about the stuff that they did but when they have to sell themselves they feel a little bit anxious because majority of people don't like to sell there are some really amazing people i always think of them as amazing people because i don't like to sell either um, i'd rather someone else you know say nice things about me and sell me instead but it, as soon as you have to sell it feels a little bit icky if you know what i mean mm. and people like to sound boastful. They don't want to oversell themselves. And particularly in Australia, there's that tall poppy syndrome. And so people don't like to say wonderful things about themselves because someone's just going to come and knock the head off, right? And chop them down again. So, so re- reframing the way you think about yourself is something that I like to work with my clients to make sure that when they're talking about themselves, they're not 
being boastful. They're just stating facts mm. and having a positioning statement so that people know what your area of expertise is. It, it makes it much easier. It's a little bit like, say, say if someone says, oh, so who are you? I'll say, well, I'm Jane Jackson. And then I'm a career management coach. So it's my name. And then the same. So career management coach, Jane Jackson, it's the same thing. Um, and then what's my claim to fame? And so my claim to fame is I specialize in career transition coaching. So that's easy already. I've got a quick intro. I'm Jane Jackson. I'm a career management coach. I specialize in transition coaching. So if anyone looks bored, I can move on. If they look interested, I'll go, well, basically what I do is I help senior executives through the emotional roller coaster of career change or redundancy. And people get it right away. Okay. And then if there's interest, then I can elaborate. But so everyone needs to have a five to 10 second intro that they're comfortable with. And once they start letting it roll off their tongue, then they're going to be able to make it a little bit longer, a little bit longer until they can talk about themselves comfortably. Mm -hmm. And are you better to ha talk in terms of what you help others achieve or to give concrete examples of the kind of things that you've done. Like I get during an interview, they'll say, um, and now with some of the, the interviewing processes, which are all about give a, an example of a time when you've dealt with a difficult mm. situation or give a, an example of a time where you've enabled a team to achieve a great goal. So do you need both the exact details, short and sweet, as well as the conceptual, well, this is what I help my team achieve? Oh, you need both. That's for sure. Because the, the, the questions that you're, you're speaking of are behavioral questions. And they're very, very common in job interviews now, because if you're able to talk about your behavior and how you handle certain problems, your past successes will determine potentially how successful you could be in the future in that new role. So, so being able to tell people about yourself and your own career journey and how you got to where you are is a good thing. And then having solid examples. And in order to pull out those solid, solid examples, I have a methodology that I like to use with people where you, you talk about the situation or the problem or the challenge that you're, you have experienced in the past. And then potentially what the obstacles might have been around that as well. And then what were the specific actions that you took as an individual or you led your team to take in order to achieve a result? So you've got a situation or problem, an action and a result. And if you can work through that systematically, it's a really good way to answer behavioral questions. Yeah, yeah. So what does the future hold? And, uh, and I know that's a very big question. So let me just narrow it down just a tad. <laughs> We hear, I hear conversations, you know, I've got uh, friends and, and a family who have got kids who are going through high school and starting university. And there's a lot of commentary around the jobs that we're trying to train our kids for don't even exist yet. And there is more of the gig economy. There is more, um, uh, Steve Sammartino, a futurist, was talking about one of the biggest lies is that we have to work nine to five and we have to work in a city because nowadays you know, you can work any time, day or night from wherever you are. And most of the information is sent over by the internet. So what's the future hold for careers and or jobs and or gigs and or whatever we call it? What do you think the, the biggest influence is going to be on, on framing the future of work? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> Nothing but the best here on this podcast I'm doing with Jane. It's like, what is the meaning of life? And, you know, know exactly. I, I love the, the, hitchhiker's, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is my Bible. Yes. Okay. So what does the future hold? 
well, what's most important is to think what are the skill sets that cannot be automated um, and hopefully will stay with you. So you think about communication, influence, negotiation skills, um, people management, leadership. Those are all uh, soft skills that will always be a need because a machine cannot do that. Okay, machines can get very, very intelligent. And I, I know, you know, like Google have, have come up with some incredible technology. But at the end of the day, that face-to-face meeting, eyeballing someone and getting to know them as an individual is one of the most important things, um, skill sets and traits that and young it, people it, must develop. look at some of, um, I know a lot of websites now will use these chatbots to give you help and support. Mm. And most of the time, you can tell they're a chatbot. Like they just, their context isn't right. The answer's don't do anything to help solve your problem. So while we're, we're making progress around some of the technology and I'm a bit of a geek, so I love some of it when we still in many instances causing more of a disconnect. So I, I suspect as you're, you're rightfully saying, having those, those soft skills is such a key thing that will, will it's, we're a long way from having that put into some kind of technology. So that's one thing. You've got to have those soft skills. What else do we need to consider? Yeah. Uh, well, well ju- just on your point of chatbots, um, just recently I interviewed two chatbot gurus on my podcast, Your, your Career Podcast, and um, they would beg to differ because they were explaining to me how incredible chatbots are. But that is to give specific information um, in, in a fashion where if they say this, then that, you know, if this, then that, if this, then that, and then you have many, many permutations. So it ends up being quite clever. However, that's imparting information that someone Mm. wants. But when it comes to leadership, developing people, um, assisting with someone who might have a mental health issue or a concern, you have to have a human being, someone who is able to communicate. And so if you're able to communicate and lead and inspire people, you know that those are skills that will never be dealt away with in the future. But for someone, a young person who's now thinking, what should I do with the rest of my life? I, I would say, well, obviously, learn as much as you can. Read as much as you can. Not, not just novels, but you know, a lot of self-help books when it comes to business um, and marketing and finances and educate yourself as much as you possibly can. And then talk to people, spend time developing relationships. Because at the end of the day, people hire people. It's not just a piece of paper. So getting, you know, an arm's length of qualifications, that's very nice. But what about the real world? I would like them to finish high school. If they want to take a gap year, take that gap year. Um, I have two daughters, one took a gap year, one didn't. Both did well. But the one who went on that gap year, wow, she learned so many life lessons. And it was all all to do with getting along with other people. Mm. And that, that is, is really the key. Um, talk to, identify mentors and then talk to them. If you think, oh, I, Warwick Mary, you've had such an interesting uh, career history. Can I shadow you for a while? Or can you tell me how did you get to where you are today? And then learn from them because everyone that we talk to, we're going to learn something interesting. I just love talking to people all the time because every client I work with, gosh, they've had a really interesting journey too. And sometimes I go, I'm not worthy to coach you. You're just (laughs) incredible. But there's something that they don't have that I might be able to assist them with. And so I'm just a tiny piece in the puzzle as a career coach. Yeah. I think relationships are key. Like so often people will say, um, oh, they only got the job because they knew so-and-so. And And it's like, yeah, yep. 
That's true. And it's like, because naturally, you know, if you're going to work with someone or you want to do business with someone, you want to do it with someone you already have a relationship you already know. So it's so important. So how do you grow that network? How do you grow the number of people who you want to know in a certain industry or a certain organization or a certain geography? How do you do that? Reach out, reach out and ask, may we connect? And so one of the easiest ways to do this these days is because leveraging technology, because technology really is is the way that, you know, the world of work is, is going, um, is to join LinkedIn as one of the members because we've got oh, over 640 million members on LinkedIn and about 10 million in Australia alone. And it, it enables you to tap into this global network, which is fantastic. So build a really good profile and then have a look at the different companies or industries that you're interested in and who are the key players there and follow them for a while. You know, there are a number of influencers that you can follow. And if you think, oh, that's so interesting, reach out with a personalized note, a reason, a a good reason why they would want to connect with you and just say, you know, it would be so interesting to learn from you. And if there are people who are in the same city as you, or maybe they're friends of friends, or if you're a young person, it's you know friends of your parents or even friends of your extended family, reach out to them and find out what are the roles that they do. And could you find out a little bit more? And if they were you, how would they guide you? So ask for advice and guidance whenever you talk to anybody, because first of all, it's flattering to them because it means you really value their opinion. And um, you're not asking for favors. You're just asking for information and everyone can give you info. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, One of the things uh, that, that I know I've done and a couple of my colleagues have done for people who I loosely know on in my network who I wanted to get a bit of their time. It can be frustrating when people go, Oh, let me buy you a coffee and get information from you. So what I do is, is would say to them, Hey, when you're next traveling to Melbourne, would it be okay if I drove you from the airport to your appointment and during that time had a chat with you in the car? That way I'm saving them the, the car cost. I get time with them one-on-one and I know that, you know, I know where I'm going, so they're not getting out till I'm ready. And um, yeah, it's just a way of adding value to them. So it's not taking up time in their day because time is the most valuable resource. So <laughs> that's one little trick. I heard someone else do it. And I thought that's a gold idea because Warwick. that's always the challenge. How do we get to be with someone? I think that's such a clever idea. You know, I was just thinking, you get someone in the car, and if they're really interesting and you really want to bend their ear, then, oh, I've taken the wrong turn. I don't know how I did that. But now there's GPS. You have no excuse. Oh, yeah, but you just turn that off. Don't have that on. You know, it's your city. You know where you're going. Oh, no, it's a hook turn. We have to turn here. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so many people do ask for coffee catch-ups. And, you know, to be quite honest, a coffee catch-up, much as I love them, they're quite, quite time-consuming. And if people want to come and pick your brains you can I've only got that much brain to pick really and that much time in a day so what I tend to do now is rather than you know take say an hour for a coffee and then half an hour to an hour to get to wherever the coffee is and then you know it's almost like half a day gone I say well why don't we have a virtual coffee like I'm doing now with you and I'm having my cup of tea having a chat with you we can do it via zoom we're still looking at each other and it feels very personal and very close yeah yeah Uh, and another sometimes what I'll do particularly I'm trying to get a meeting with someone is rather than saying an hour just say have you got 23 minutes to spare because it's such a bizarre number and like 23 and like and you've got to make sure it's 23 minutes don't go over um but yeah it's it's a great tip to do the virtual because it's so much easier and it's less of a pain for both parties so 
Miss mm. Jane, I could keep talking to you forever, but we've we've used up our time and we've covered so much great stuff. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about how you might be able to help them with their career management, what's the best way to get in touch? Okay, I have um, two locations where you can find me. One is janejacksoncoach.com and the other one is thecareersacademy.online because I have a membership site where you get ongoing career management support Fantastic. as well. Fantastic. So that's janejacksoncoach.com and mm-hmm. thecareersacademy.online. Yes, you got it. Awesome. Miss mm. Jane, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was such a pleasure talking to you and always lovely to have a chat with Mr. Merry. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I've been your host, Warwick Merry. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.